three. Didn't get there. Looked like Jamal Adams may have led the charge from his safety position. Two. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome back, everybody, to a new edition of the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes. Last time we spoke, Connor, we were in person in Indianapolis at the NFL Draft Combine. Now we are back, separated again, as we have done for the most of the way on this podcast. And hopefully, even though we're not near each other, hopefully you're washing your hands frequently. Don't touch your face, all that stuff. We need to stay healthy through all of this for the good of the podcast. Oh yeah, my my fiance is a nurse, so she has been uh, been been on me about doing all that stuff. It's also been good to kind of get the the insider information and in track about about coronavirus and the things that will make a difference, the things that will not make a difference, and the things that you know people are overreacting over compared to the things that people are not reacting enough over. So, uh, her coming home, she's given me the the complete lowdown here on on what I need to do, what I'm not doing, what I should be doing, and I know washing of the hands is is top of the uh, top of the order there of, of what you want to do and things like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm trying to stay healthy, trying trying to avoid this uh, th- this virus and and keep on my feet because I trust me, nobody wants to see me get sick. Uh, not because you don't want to see me get sick, but because I am a total baby when it happens, and and I know that that it's it's probably not good for anyone if, if I'm if I'm under the weather. For the good of Bree, let's keep uh, keep Connor yeah, healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go, there you go. Uh, so the reason we're we're doing this podcast as we get through this off season, and we'll probably be doing them a little more frequently here between now and the draft. But free agency, obviously, uh, right on the doorstep at this point. Uh, the the legal tampering zone starts up on Monday just to get you through the NFL schedule. If you're, if you're not up to date Saturday, 1159 PM deadline for players to vote on the CBA. That seems very much in doubt at this point. And then the deadline for franchise tagging has actually been moved. It was originally going to be this Thursday tomorrow as we record this on Wednesday. Now it's Monday at 1159 AM Eastern, the deadline to franchise and transition tag players. Uh, and then noon on Monday, one minute after that, that deadline goes by is the legal tampering and that'll get us to Wednesday when free agency officially begins um, and we'll be back with you next week to kind of sum up that free agency as well but we're gonna set the stage for it we'll get into the rumors and what's going on with this Jets team and let's start with we'll kind of go through the main things the Jets need I guess Connor in free agency and we'll start with protecting Sam Darnold that's obviously a big goal whether it's through the draft or free agency or Let's start here. It could be a trade because Trent Williams seems to be available. Just fill us in. How interested are the Jets? How likely is it that they could pull off a trade with a 32-year-old all-pro from the Redskins? Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of cool, man. I remember when we talked during the combine, you and I had this uh, this this powwow or the in-person, uh, in, in-person recording of the podcast like on the first day of free agency or something like that. So it basically had been one one evening of gathering rumors and talking to people and catching up with with people that you know around the league to, to kind of piece something together so we were able to get a little bit of tidbits but you know we were talking here we were like all right now it's been after the we've had the whole combine it's been a week after the combine calls have been made all that stuff so it's kind of good to to empty the the verbal notebook if you will and, and just kind of fill everyone in and and i know that trent williams is kind of a top uh, a lot of people's thought process. I mean, that that certainly is one. I mean, the guy's a, a Pro Bowl left tackle, an All-Pro left tackle. He sat out all last year, and and uh, you know the Redskins have obviously given his agency permission to go seek a trade. And what I can tell you about that, and, and again, this is all confirmed via multiple sources, people that I know in in Washington, people that I know tied to the Jets, and all that kinds of stuff. Um, there, there, there is there is legitimate interest there from from the Jets in in uh, Trent Williams. The, this isn't just due diligence. This is something that they have uh, quote unquote circled back on regarding Trent Williams. So they've they've made the call now. Where this is interesting, and the Jets, like I said, Jets are interested in them, but it's going to be at their price, right? So this whole Trent Williams Washington saga has been going on more than a year. It's why he didn't play at all in 2019. Obviously, he had a disagreement with the coaching staff and the medical department. At that particular point in time, the Redskins were looking for a first round pick. That's what they wanted. And it wasn't just a first round pick, they wanted a first round pick and then some. They had first round offers from other teams. Two specific teams, I was told reached out to Washington and offered their first round selection for Trent Williams last year. Washington said no to both because they wanted more. Now, 
as that season went on, they kind of decided to lessen that. We're like, okay, we'll take a first-round pick. But then from some of those teams that were interested, they were like, look, we're not trading a first-round pick now to get him for half a year. You know, it just wasn't going to happen. So fast forward to this offseason where they are again looking to move Trent Williams. That pick has undoubtedly dropped. They realize that they are not getting a first-round selection from anyone. It's not going to happen they're not going to get a pick from the teams that they were interested in or that were interested in before last year, and certainly not the slew of teams that are interested in this year. But Washington is still kind of holding strong right now in that they want a second rounder. Like that that's kind of what what they want. They realize they're not going to get a first. They want a second-round pick for Trent Williams. Remember, they don't have a second-round pick in this year's draft because they moved it away uh, as part of a draft day deal last year. So they're looking to get back a second rounder. The Jets, from my understanding, are just they're not going to give up a second round pick. That's just that's just not something that they're willing to do. They they have holes. They have a need for depth. They need players that are going to be a part of this team's long term future. And Trent Williams, at at uh, who's going to be thirty two years old, just is not going to be a part of his of of the Jets' long term future. He'd be the short term fix, a damn good short term fix. He'd probably be this team's uh, left tackle at a Pro Bowl caliber for two three years. But they're looking for players that are going to be part of this team for the next 10, you know, for the next decade. And that's not going to be Trent. So they're not going to be willing to move their first round pick, certainly. But no team's going to be willing to move their first round pick. Right now, that asking price is a second. The Jets are not going to be willing to do a second round pick. Now, the question comes down to, does Washington try to make it work with Trent Williams? Do, do they try to say, you know what? Let's see if we can't mend this this relationship. Can can Ron Rivera step in and and do what what the the last coaching staff and the last regime could not do with Bruce Allen and and Jay Gruden? Could can he kind of get Trent back to buy into Washington and have him return to them at, at, at left tackle? We'll see. But for this point right now, the Redskins really want that second round pick. Jets aren't going to be willing to do it. So uh, until Washington's really to start negotiating. It's probably not going to happen, but the Jets are certainly interested in Trent Williams if that asking price comes down a little bit. So what's the timeline then on that? Because obviously they have other decisions to make with free agency and that that could affect what they do with the trade. So if there is going to be a trade, I would think it's got to happen pretty soon, right? No, I, I, that's the thing is I don't think that anyone's in any sort of a rush, right? Okay. I, I think that's that's the big thing is that Washington is not in a rush to move Trent Williams because they realize that they're going to be getting draft picks and, and the draft isn't until the end of April. So, so they're not in a rush. For the Jets, they realize too that there is not going to be a left tackle in free agency in all seriousness, worth a damn in terms of, of starting again. You know, they could they could dabble in the market of of signing Jason Peters to be like a stopgap starter. Uh, they could look into bringing back Kelvin Beecham again as a stopgap starter, someone who kind of can hold the fort down for one or two weeks until the left tackle that they draft at, at 11th overall uh, is ready to start. Or even that player just begins the season as a backup if the left tackle that they draft at 11 is the guy that, that is ready to start from week one. So, no, there there's no rush here. And I think that because there isn't a bona fide stud left tackle in free agency, like when, uh, I know it didn't work out for them, but when Nate Solder w- was a free agent and, and the Giants went and gave him big money, this isn't like there's a Nate Solder out there on the free agent market that's going to play left tackle. There's Jack Conklin, but Conklin's a right tackle, not a left tackle. So Trent Williams... For all parties involved, they can afford to wait a little bit. They can afford to wait a little bit to see how this thing plays out and then go out there and try to make a deal. And, and honestly, I think that, that's the smart move for both sides. You know, For Washington, wait to see what happens here. Wait to see what shakes out for the Jets. Focus on other holes, knowing that Trent Williams is going to be there at the end of this whole free agency, the first, second, third wave. And then you can really kick this this negotiation into high gear. And, and when all is said and done, look, honestly, I, I don't think – the Jets, they had those two third-round picks in this year's draft, you know, with with their own and then the one that they gave the Giants. I don't think, and if I was Joe Douglas, I would not trade both of those picks for Trent Williams. But a deal I think the Jets might do is, is something like a third-round pick this year, one of those two third-round picks, and maybe a fifth-round pick next year in 2021, maybe a conditional fifth-round pick in 2021, where if Trent Williams starts you know, X number of games in not only 2020, but also 2021, then that 2021 draft pick has the possibility of going from a fifth round pick to a fourth round pick or something like that. You know, something along those lines. I can see the Jets dabbling in that. Again, right now, that's not something that the Redskins are necessarily interested in because they really want that second round pick. But with that said, 
I could see as this time goes on, they realize that the relationship is just so fractured. It's, there's no mending it. But they say, all right, let's look for the best option. And for the Jets, the good thing about them is that both of those third-round picks are pretty high in the draft. You know, they have obviously the Giants selection, which is pretty high, their own third round pick, which is pretty high. That carries a lot of value because they're actually closer to, the, you know, the, the second round, the end of the second round than the, on the middle of the third round where you could see something potentially getting done there. But no, there, there's there's no rush there. There's no there's no need to get this done right away. Uh, but but the Jets are certainly monitoring this water. And like I said, the, the quote that was given to me is that they've circled back quite a few times uh, on Trent Williams here. Of course, the uh, the needs on the offensive line go well beyond left tackle for the Jets. So the focus for free agency then can kind of focus in on on the guard position, I think. And and you've written about it. We've heard about it. Joe Thune of the Patriots, Graham Glasgow, Lions, guys that the Jets probably have on that wish list. It's interesting with, with Thune, I think, because... Joe Judge is now the the head coach, obviously, of the Giants, and they're a team that could also be looking for O-line help at the guard position. Could this be a competition between Jets and Giants for these guards? Yeah, I mean, Jets, Giants, and probably 12 other teams. I mean, look, as soon as Brandon Sheriff... Uh, got the franchise, or he's going, I mean, obviously no team's really handed out the franchise tag, but from from what I've heard down in Indy and, and everything that I've heard since is that they are going to franchise tag uh, Brandon Sheriff. Is that that's that's a matter of when, not if. It's just, you know, are they going to wait until the 11:59 deadline to see if they can't, you know, wait to see if maybe this CBA gets approved, something like that. Then they tag him, and they're just going to do it now, saying, hey, we're going to tag you. But, but Sheriff is not going to be there on the free agent market, which means that Joe Thune and Graham Glasgow go from being the number two and number three guards, respectively, on the open market to number one and number two. And all of those teams that were going to be in on Sheriff, they're now all going to be in on Tooney, and they're all going to be in on Glasgow. So the Jets are going to have competition for those two guys. The Jets are very interested in both of those guys. I know that they are interested in both of those guys. I know that they're going to be involved in both of those guys. What my concern is, and or my concern would be if you are, uh, from a Jets perspective, is that are you going to end up getting these two guys? Because, A, yeah, the market's going to be robust for both of them. The Jets are going to have to pay top dollar to get them because obviously no one's going to take less money to play for the Jets right now. They're just not in that particular, uh, they're not in that position as a team. With that said, some of these other teams are going to be involved in them. They're going to be willing to pay. And one of the teams that I would keep an eye on for both these guys, both for Joe and for Graham Glasgow, is the Miami Dolphins. And the reason why I say keep an eye on the Miami Dolphins is I know that they are interested in both of both Joe and Graham as well as the Jets are. Is that the Jets are going to have to pay more than the Miami Dolphins for than either of these two guys. Because look, these two guys are represented by very intelligent agencies. They are interest they are uh, uh, represented by agencies that have undoubtedly their client's best interest at heart. And if it comes down to Florida or New York, New Jersey, they're going to let it be known to both of these guys the amount of money that they could potentially be leaving on the table by signing with the Jets as opposed to the Dolphins because of all the tax situation, how much less you're going to be paying in taxes in Florida compared to the New York, New Jersey area. Now, where I think the Jets could potentially make a little bit of a difference here and and maybe entice somebody to sign somewhere else is specifically with Joe Tooney. Now, his agency is the same agency that represented Kirk Cousins, who obviously, I mean, if you're, if you're a Jet fan, you're not going to be too, too happy to hear that because that was when Kirk Cousins, you know, had very publicly mentioned how the Jets were offering to pay more and he decided to take the Vikings offer as well, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But the big thing about that Kirk Cousins deal is that it was entirely guaranteed, right? It is that the Kirk Cousins deal that he signed in, in Minnesota was an entirely guaranteed contract. It is very rare for a position like guard, such a physical position where you're getting hit on every single play, to receive a guaranteed contract. But if the Jets wanted to avoid that whole, hey, we, you know, we're going to have to pay 5% more to make up the difference between what you're going to lose playing in Miami compared to what you'd make or what you're going to lose playing in New York compared to what you make in Miami is if they potentially got very creative in the contract that they offered to Tooney and they said something along the lines of like, look, we'll give you a three-year deal. We will guarantee that three-year deal 
will you come and play for us? And maybe that will say, you know what? Yeah, technically on the on the outside, that's maybe about $5 million less than what the Dolphins are offering. But the Dolphins are offering a contract here that where they can cut you after two years, cut you after three, and then you lose some money where the Jets are saying, we're going to guarantee you a full three-year contract. And then they're also going to go ahead and know that that will allow him to cash in again in free agency while he is still in his prime. Because remember, this is a guy in, in, in Joe Tooney, he's only 27 years old, right? So in three years, you're talking about a guy that is 30 years old. Well, that is a little bit on the older, you know, you're starting to get to that 30-year-old, older side, all that stuff. It's still enough to cash in again where he will get another contract from another team. And if you're going to give a guy a quote-unquote potentially guaranteed contract, you're going to want to do it for a guy who is in his fourth year and has never missed a start. This guy has started every single game for the Patriots in 2016 through 2019. He is as durable as durable gets, and that is exactly the type of player that Joe Douglas is looking for. Again, it's going to cost Do I ultimately think they are going to give him a guaranteed contract. Probably not, but if they want to sweeten the waters and they really do want to get this guy to anchor their offensive line and anchor one of those guard positions for quite some time, I think looking at the guaranteed route for Joe Dooney, I think that that is one of the ways to do it. But look, I mean, it, it, the Jets, like I said, I, I've talked to multiple people, multiple sources. The Jets are in on both of these guys. The Jets love both of these guys. They absolutely adore the versatility that they are going to get in Glasgow in terms of a guy who can play center, guard, and tackle, and is good at he's good at center, he's good at guard, and he can swing out to tackle if need be. The issue, again, is that are they going to get a chance because the Jets are not going to be uh, the only team pursuing either of these two guys. So if they don't get a chance for one of those guys because they're the the big targets, who's somebody else that maybe they can still help this team and sneak in and maybe cost less money in yeah. the long run? You can kind of spread the money around a little more. Yeah, I think that that uh, they'll look to they're going to look to re-sign Alex Lewis. I think he's a guy that that they like. They like Alex Lewis a lot. They liked what he did last year. Uh, the coaching staff absolutely loved how accountable he was within the meeting room and things like that. You know, normally. When people are watching film and when players are watching film with coaches, it's the coaches who call out the players when they do something wrong. You know, so-and-so, you missed a block. You should have done this when you should have done that. Alex was one of the guys in the meeting room that he took it upon himself to call out his mistakes before the coaching staff could. And, and that set, in the coaching staff's perspective, a very good example for the rest of the team in terms of this is a guy who was a starter. This is a guy who is about to enter free agency and is looking to play the best football of his career to get it going and, and to get a new contract. And he's willing to look it up and say, basically, I effed up on this play. I screwed up on this play. This is what I did wrong. I'm not going to do it again. And they loved that about him. So they would like to come back. Now, Alex is somewhat limited in terms of what he can do physically on the field. He's dealt with some injuries, but they would like to have him back. I think if they miss, I think, honestly, even if they come away with Tooney or Glasgow, they'd look to potentially bring back Alex Lewis. Uh, I, that, I think that's certainly a possibility, but they could look to uh, use him certainly as a contingency plan. The other guy I would keep an eye, a name on or an eye on, I should say, is Carolina's Greg Van Roten. I know that he's a guy that he actually grew up a Jets fan, which is, is crazy to talk about. Is he? I know he's playing in Carolina. Poor guy. He's a diehard. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Diehard Jets fan, which I'm sure will, will, will come into play for the Jets there if this negotiation comes down. And, well, you're looking at potentially $16 million plus from what I've heard for Joe Tooney, and you're looking for probably – 14, maybe in a 15 million for Glasgow, maybe 13 million, depending on how that market shakes out. And if teams say, you know, what, I'll just wait for the draft, you're probably looking at more just eight to 10 million uh, for Van Roten a year, annual per year. You're certainly not going to need to go into those high guarantees. It's probably going to be a contract that you can get out after two years. Uh, he's a guy, I know he's dealt with some injury problems, but he's been pretty effective when he's on the field. He's someone I keep an eye on uh, in terms of that second, third wave of free agency where if the Jets do miss on Joe, they do miss on Graham, they could come back and get uh, Greg, Ran Greg Van Roten there from the Panthers. So if we look to the other side of the football, obviously on offense, it's the offensive line, but on defense, this team needs a pass rush. They got to get to the quarterback and take some of the pressure off that secondary and help Greg Williams out on that side. And there are plenty, really, of guys available out there, different levels. Um, let's let's go through some of them. The biggest name, I guess, is, is Jadavian Clowney. Um, He's an interesting name because he has bounced around, obviously, and there's been questions along the way. Obviously, the skill set is unbelievable. Um, then there's Yannick Ngakwe, obviously, is a big name as well. Let's start with those two, Connor. Um, you know, they're big names. The Jets would have interest. Are they guys that would have interest in the Jets? 
Uh, Yannick, I don't think is going to happen. And and the reason that I say that is because he's going to get the tag from, yep. from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not going to trade him for less than a first-round pick. And the Jets are not going to give a first-round pick. They're, they're not going to trade their 11th overall selection. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Maybe if they were drafting 25th and they were coming off a playoff year and they were like, oh, we're just a pass rusher away, then maybe they do that. That's not the case. Now, I can tell you from talking to multiple sources and, and, and people that I know around the league, the Jets have expressed interest in Jadavion Clowney. They, they have started to do some homework on him. They've, they've, like I said, they've expressed some interest in him. It's a guy that they are poking around. Ultimately, do I think that this is a deal that will get done? Uh, this is now just my opinion. The, the, the per source was that the Jets have talked to him. I know that for a fact. Or they've they've expressed interest in him. They've done a little bit of homework. When the legal tampering period begins, they'll likely make another call. What I can tell you is that I would be very very surprised if that deal got done because it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, right? I mean, when when Joe Douglas took over as this team's general manager, he sat down at, with, with all of us, all of us media members, and said he wants to build a team of yeah good dominant football players. Wants to start up front, offensive, defensive line. But he talked so much about the type of person that he was going to be adding to the Jets locker room. And he said he wanted to, quote, find guys who hate losing more than they like winning. I don't see that at <laughs> all in Jadeveon Clowney. I mean, this is a guy who is injury prone, which is not the durability you know, that, that Douglas wants. This is a guy who has known to have a cavalier attitude and take plays off. Uh, which obviously does not indicate what Douglas was talking about with uh, guys who hate losing more than winning, especially when this is a guy who's taking plays off in a contract year, knowing that he's going to be looking at $20 million plus if he has a dominant year and he's still taking some plays off. He's a guy that has clashed with coaches before, and obviously you saw some issues that he had in South Carolina with that attitude. So I just he just doesn't seem to me like a Joe Douglas football player. Now, the on the field... When Clowney's on, when he's locked in, when he wants to play, the guy, like you said, is a dominant football player. I mean, he is next level in terms of what he can do as a pass rusher, what he can do with his athleticism, what he can do against the run. I mean, he is a dominant, dominant football player. I just don't see it every single play from him. So are the Jets really going to be inclined to throw out 18, 19, 20 million annually for a guy that you don't know, is he just going to get a paycheck and totally cash in? Considering before he got the paycheck, he would occasionally cash in. You know, if the Jets were, if the Jets knew they were going to get the Jadavion Clowney that played against the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs, I think they'd do it because that guy was all over the field and a dominant player. But you just don't know that. So, I know they're interested. I know they've, ex or they, I should say, I shouldn't say interested. I know they have expressed some interest in Clowney. I just don't think this is a deal that gets done because to me, it just, it just doesn't really make sense at all. It, it, he just doesn't seem like a player that would be a guy that Joe Douglas would target. Mike McCagnan, yeah, I think Mike McCagnan gives him whatever he wants. Basically, hands Clowney a blank check. Douglas is not a guy that that I think would would make a run. And honestly. If Douglas was going to make a run, why wouldn't he have done it at the trade deadline last year when he probably could have gotten him for, uh, for I mean, the te the Texans or the Seahawks basically stole him away from Houston who were trying to just get rid of him. Uh, I, I would be surprised, though, if if this uh, if the Jets actually ended up signing Clowney. Would it be a bad signing? Potentially not, but I think there's just so much risk and it doesn't really make sense with uh, what the Jets are trying to do. Granted, though, pass rusher is kind of one of their top priorities there in free agency. He feels like the kind of guy that you need that structure already in place in the locker room where he's yes, going to come correct. in and people are going to tell him how things are done here and that sort of thing. And and the Jets certainly aren't there yet. They're trying to build that, but but they're not yep. there yet. And he could kind of disrupt what's being built as we speak. So if those two guys are probably off the table, let's talk about who would make sense for the Jets and who they can go out there and get. Shaquille Barrett exploded last year in Tampa Bay after really not being able to get on the field in Denver. Marcus Golden across town with the Giants and Dante Fowler. Are those kind of three names that jump out to you? Yeah, well, sort of. I mean, Shaq Barrett, I would say no, just because I know that guy's getting the franchise tag. So so talking yeah. to a couple league sources, he's a guy, He the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to franchise tag him, which in turn means that they're going to be letting uh, Jameis Winston test free agency. But Shaq Barrett's not not hitting free agency. They're not letting him out the door. Uh, what's crazy is like that guy's always shown throughout his career some, some legitimate ability to rush the passer. 
He just couldn't really do anything else in other spots that he's been. It all kind of came together for him against or when, when he joined the Buccaneers there. The 19 and a half sacks, I mean, you don't luck yourself into 19 and a half. And if he was in, he was, if he was on the open market, the Jets would absolutely pursue him. I know that for a fact, but he's just not going to be there for New York. I mean, he's going to be getting the franchise tag. Marcus Golden, 29 years old, like you said. I mean, the guy had 10 sacks for the Giants last year. It's actually the second time he's had double-digit sacks in his career. He's going to be looking for like 10, 12, maybe $13 million annually, which is something that, I mean, one, one agent told me before when, it, when we were talking about pass rushers on the open market that basically a sack a year uh, on your contract year, one sack a season equals a million dollars. So you get to 10 sacks, you're looking at $10 million. You get to eight sacks, you're looking at $8 million, something like that. So he's going to be getting to $10, $11, $12 million. And if you're talking about that much for Marcus Golden, I don't know why the Jets wouldn't just keep one of their own in-house and, and Jordan Jenkins, who's a free agent we'll talk about in a bit, who's probably going to be looking in that same range, 10 to $12 million annually. And I know the Jets are going to let him test free agency. They're probably not going to get anything done with him beforehand, but... I, I just don't know why you would go after Golden, who's a similar um, big-time effort player, kind of efforts his way to sacks, not really the fastest, not really the best hands, not really the strongest, not really just going to will himself to the quarterback, but is somebody that kind of, you know, his his never-ending motor gets in there, which, again, sounds like you're describing Jordan Jenkins, right? So I don't know why you would go after Golden when you wouldn't just target uh, Jordan Jenkins, but the one name you did close that one off with is Dante Fowler. I know that if he is a free agent and it's back and forth right now on what the hell is going to happen there with LA because Fowler loves LA. LA loves Fowler. The issue is that they are not in a very good cap situation. They don't really have many ways to free cap. They still need to give um, uh, Jalen Ramsey, the corner they traded from the Jaguars last year, his big time contract extension. They can't really get out from any of the poor contracts that they gave to other people already. It's going to be very difficult, it seems, for them to retain Fowler on a long-term contract. I don't even know if they're going to be able to franchise tag him or transition tag him. So if he is to get to the free agent market, the Jets will make a run. I mean, the Jets have been trying to get this guy before. They were interested in him last year when he was a free agent. They were interested in trading for him when the Jaguars put him on the open market. They just haven't had a chance to get him. If he's there, he's a guy that I could see them saying, here's 16, here's $17 million annually come play for us. We want you because he is the exact player that they need. He would be a perfect complement to Jordan Jenkins on the other side. He would fill in excellent next to Quinnen Williams or Henry Anderson with Steve McClendon or Foley Fatakasi in the middle. I mean, he would be the ideal acquisition for the Jets. I think he's somebody that they would, they are absolutely going to go full steam ahead towards if he does hit free agency. Again, the question mark there is, A, will a long-term contract get done with L.A.? B, will LA use one of their tags on him? And C, if LA is going to do A or B, how are they going to create the cap space to do so? It's, it's going to take some really interesting financial structure of the deal. I don't know if that's something Fowler is going to be interested in because remember, this is a guy who hasn't had his second contract yet. He's kind of been tagged. He's been the extra year. He signed a one-year deal. Like all this, He's getting older now where he's going to want to cash in with the possibility of cashing in again. I think ultimately he hits free agency. I think the Jets kind of go after him pretty hard. You know, If you remember last year, they wanted a pass rusher too. That's why they tried to sign Anthony Barr. They missed out on Anthony Barr and were unable to uh, they were unable to replace him in any way, shape, or form. I mean, they ended up having Brandon Copeland play the Anthony Barr position as their rusher, linebacker, whatever. I think Dante Fowler will finally give the Jets an elite-level edge rusher that they have not had since they traded away John Abraham way back when. And one other name I'd keep an eye on, although I really think that it's more a pipe dream and it's not going to happen, it's Matt Judon, the outside linebacker for the Ravens. The Jets love him. I mean, I know this from, from talking to multiple people. The Jets absolutely love Matt Judon. The concern is that he's going to get the franchise tag from the Ravens. That's what I heard is going to happen. And if that happens, the Jets obviously, like with Yannick, they can't they can't trade for him. They 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 are not going to be giving up a first round pick to acquire a pass rusher. Not with their whole receiver. Not with their whole uh, left tackle. They kind of need that number eleven pick. So I just don't think that that's that's going to happen. All right. So those are the big two positions, obviously, for free agency: the the offensive line, uh, the pass rush. Uh, the next topic we have on our little rundown document that we put together is under the radar. But when you you look through it a little bit, it almost looks more like the other position that they could maybe target, which is cornerback. There are a couple of guys yeah. out there that, that are possibilities. We talked about James Bradbury on the last podcast. He's still very much alive, and then then another player as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think James Bradbury actually is, is probably a little bit more alive than we originally believed. And I've talked to some people that 
You know, it was it was kind of coming out of the combine. It was the pecking order of James Bradbury seemed to be. I mean, they were going to be twenty something teams. I mean, there were twenty something teams interested in Bradbury, but the pecking order seemed to kind of be the Redskins for obvious reasons. With Ron Rivera were atop his list, and then there were kind of all the other teams in terms of like the Jets were in that mix, kind of high, and a slew of others that that were all kind of interested, all making phone calls. The Giants were involved, but they aren't going to be involved at the price that he's asking for. So if he was cheaper, maybe, but not that price. The Eagles, though, were not a team that was interested in him at all. Some kind of like little information I've gathered the last uh, the last couple of weeks here is is just that, or last week I should say here is that maybe the the Redskins Bradbury connection is more Bradbury wanting to play for the Redskins than the Redskins necessarily be willing to pony up all of the cash that it would take to get him. I mean, this guy is expecting to see upwards of 15 million annually per year. I mean that that's what you get when you're the top 1 2 corner on the free agent market and you play a position in cornerback where you are a coveted position. Not many people can do it and it's a very value. I mean you can say corner, left tackle, pass rusher, quarterback are arguably the top positions and obviously quarterback tops that list. So I wasn't ranking them in order, but they're arguably the most important positions in professional football and you play that position you're you're going to you're going to cash in a bit. So it, the Redskins I just don't I don't think Washington's going to be willing to go as high as some other teams are willing to go. And what it's then going to come down to is, will Bradbury take less to reunite with Ron Rivera, who he loves? Or is he going to say, no, I I just kind of want the most money. I'm going to go to the team that's going to pay me the most. So I don't think Washington is, from what I understand, Washington, I'll I'll word it this way. From what I understand, Washington is not as high on Bradbury as Bradbury is on Washington. The Redskins are certainly interested in him. They like him. They have a need at corner. But it's kind of more Bradbury fueling that Redskin talk. And, And the Jets, I think, are a little bit more involved and alive in these Bradbury sweepstakes than originally believed. I don't know if I would call them the front runner or the favorite, but I think they're going to be in the final running where where Bradbury's going to end up picking between the Jets and some other team. And it might be something where the Jets have more money on the table than Washington, and then it just comes down to what does Bradbury want? Does he want to play for somebody that he knows, or does he want to cash in while he still can at, at his age? Now, the one player that, that the Jets have poked around, but I don't believe it will end up happening, is Byron Jones, the corner from the Cowboys. That's just a guy who, his contract, I mean, you talk about Bradbury being $15 million. Jones is going to be looking at 18 19 $20 million annually a year, from what I understand. That's a market that after the Jets whiffed on Darrell Rivas, after they whiffed on Tremaine Johnson, who they just released, I can't imagine that they get involved in in that that market again. I mean, look, Byron Jones is a good player. I don't think he's 18 19 $20 million a year great. I mean, it's a guy who's not really great at attacking the ball. He's someone who's eventually going to have to convert to safety. I just don't see him being a player that they that they get involved in. I think James Bradbury is more likely the guy than Byron Jones. I think that Byron Jones is probably more in the Philadelphia Eagles radar. I think that that's somebody that the Eagles want. I know the Giants are probably going to be involved in him as well. But I think he's ultimately probably going to go to Philly, and then everyone else is going to be fighting around for, for James Bradbury. Now, what could drive James Bradbury's market up even more, which could eventually cause the Redskins to to back out of it, is that once Byron Jones signs, all of those teams that were interested in Byron Jones that did not get him, they're going to come back down to the James Bad, Brad, Bradbury tree and try to still at least get a corner, which again could then take Bradbury and price him out of the Eagles market. Now, the other corner that I would keep an eye on, and I can't I can't say that I've, I've talked to sources to confirm the Jets are interested in this guy. I haven't heard this firsthand, but just somebody that I could absolutely see the Jets targeting, and it would not surprise me in the slightest if they did target him, is Jalen Mills, who's the corner from the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a guy who Joe Douglas is very, very familiar with. Uh, obviously, he was involved in, in uh, you know, actually, you know, the crazy story about, about Jalen Mills is that, you know, the Eagles took him in the seventh round of the 2016 draft is actually before they drafted Jalen Mills, they called ex Jets safety Doug Middleton and told Doug Middleton that they were going to draft him. They said, okay, Doug, look, if you're there in the seventh round, we're going to take you. So sure enough, seventh round comes around. They get J- J- Doug Middleton sitting on his couch with his family like, oh my God, I'm about to be an Eagle. I'm about to be an Eagle. I'm about to be an Eagle. The Eagles pick flashes across the board. It's Jalen Mills. It's not Doug Middleton. <laughs> Doug Middleton ends up going undrafted. He signs with the Jets. He had, a, you know, he's a decent special teams player. Uh, actually, flashed quite a bit for for the Eagles there, or for the Jets, I should say. But just injuries kept him off the field, and eventually they uh, they let him go this uh, this past training camp. But uh, Jalen Mills is a guy who who's he's physical. Uh, he plays with 
attitude. Uh, he's not the biggest six foot 191, but he's young, 25 years old. Uh, he's had a little bit of an issue staying on the field. He has a little bit of issue with penalties. He's kind of one of those guys who's a big gambler. So, for example, he can be susceptible to second uh, double moves because he's somebody who once he sees a receiver curl, he's like, I'm going to jump the pass. I'm going to pick it off. He kind of plays with that aggressiveness, which sometimes gets him in trouble. But he has an attitude that when he was on the field for the Eagles, and if you watch any Eagles football game with Jalen Mills on the field compared to those when Jalen Mills is off the field, you can tell that he is someone who really just changes the attitude of the people around him. I think you put him on a defense with Jamal Adams, and you have two vocal leaders that are just going to ignite this defense. He's not unlike Byron Jones and Bradbury. He's not going to break the bank. He's somebody that the Jets might be able to get for that eight, nine million a year range, maybe on a one-year prove-it deal, something like that, hoping that he can cash in again because of those injuries that are kind of taking uh, some of his uh, uh, free agent stock down. But he is somebody that, again, I haven't talked to, to anyone that has said, oh, yeah, the Jets are definitely going after Jalen Mills. But he's someone because of the Joe Douglas connection. Douglas got to know him a lot during the 2016, 17, 18 years where he was in Philadelphia. I really believe that he is somebody that that the Jets will look to target as part of a package for everything else. Because I think to, the thing to remember here, Tim, is that the Jets don't need one corner. They need two. And if they miss out on, on re-signing Brian Poole, they need three. So you're going to have... A situation here where I could totally see the Jets signing uh, Bradbury and signing Jalen Mills and having both of those guys come at maybe the price it would cost to just sign uh, Byron Jones, where you now have your starter on one side, your starter on the other side. They'll try to bring back uh, Brian Poole there in the nickel. And the one thing to remember, too, is that Brian Poole and Jalen Mills are both represented by Rosenhaus Sports, Drew Rosenhaus's agency. Uh, where maybe the Jets can do some double negotiating there where, where they say, look, we want both your guys. What do we got to do to get both of your guys back? You know, you ever go to a car dealership where you buy two cars instead of one? You know, I have something not. Like that your dad ever tell you? Like, I've never done it either, but I know I've been there with my dad where, like, you know, he's been like, he was looking for a car at the same time I was. He's like, oh, you know, what if Connor buys a car and I buy a car? You know, is there any way that we can, you know, kind of negotiate something less? Maybe something like that comes up where, where, uh, where, where they can get something, maybe a, a, a decent deal for both of these guys. But he's a name that isn't being talked about much, likely because he's in that second, third wave of the free agent market. He's not going to be, you know, he's not in that, that category of Bradbury. He's not in the category of Byron Jones. But I think Jalen Mills is somebody that the Jets could absolutely, absolutely target when all is said and done here. And the other two guys, obviously, to keep an eye on, we's already, we already mentioned Greg Van Roten if the Jets missed out on Glasgow and Tooney. But also Brashad Perryman, the, the wide out from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers who kind of came on towards the end of last year when um, uh, Chris Godwin went down with an injury. I think he's somebody that, that, that they could look to bring in. Adam Gase loves speedy receivers he freaking loves speed he loves the 40 time if they miss out on Robbie Anderson they need somebody fast that they can replace him with I think that Perryman is a guy that they'd be able to get significantly cheaper than Robbie Anderson on a one two year team friendly deal think four five maybe six million dollars a year and he's someone who can stretch the field and while he's not Robbie Anderson he can't do everything that Robbie Anderson can do he can stretch the field which would give the Jets that vertical threat in the passing game so one cornerback who won't be back with the Jets is Tremaine Johnson. We know that for sure. The The contract finally in the rearview mirror, that $72.5 million deal. The Jets releasing him. They save $3 million, goes into the bank here and as they get close to free agency. So that's a, a guy that was on the roster that won't be. Um, Robbie Anderson is the guy that we continue to talk about that they want to have back. And it sounds like Robbie Anderson would love to be back. Of course, he wants to be back on the most possible money, and the Jets are only going to go so far. Um, from what you're hearing, Connor, is that still probably not going to happen, or is there a chance that that price tag kind of stays in that $10 million range where the Jets might be willing to to take a bite on bringing back Robbie Anderson. Well, if it is, if it is in that, that $10, $11 million price range, Robbie Anderson will be back. That, that's, that's a fact. Robbie Anderson will be back on a $10, $11 million price range. And, and, and that will absolutely happen. That's the deal that the Jets have wanted to give him all along. When, when the price tag started to get to 13, 14, potentially $15 million with a bidding war annually per year for Robbie Anderson. That was just the deal that the Jets were not willing to do. It wasn't something that they were willing to go that high for a guy that has never had a thousand yard season, a guy that has had run ins with the police back in Florida, back home, you know, which is what it just wasn't. It wasn't a price tag they were willing to get up to. Now, 
for the first the, the entire offseason, man, I was I was convinced that Robbie Anderson was not returning to the Jets. It was just I had talked to people within the organization who felt that way. I had talked to people outside of the organization that thought that way, said there was no way they were going to be able to bring him back. Hearing Joe Douglas speak at the combine was the first time that I got the impression that the Jets didn't necessarily think they were going to bring Robbie Anderson back, but they didn't think that it was impossible to bring Robbie Anderson back. And there's a slew of reasons that that could potentially be it. Now, I've heard the whole talk of, well, you know, it's a very diff very deep free agent class so why give Robbie Anderson 15 million dollars a year where you can just wait and draft a guy in the first second or third round that is true this is a a insanely deep receiving class with that said there was one player in that class who ran what Robbie Anderson runs Robbie Anderson runs the 40 and 4-3 that's how fast this guy is Henry Ruggs is the only player that ran anywhere near that, right? So so there is still, if Robbie Anderson was in this class, if Robbie Anderson was in this draft class, he does things and he has a skill set that as deep as this receiving class is, other people don't do. So if you're looking for an elite level receiver who can, or an elite level deep threat receiver who can take the top off a of defense and you have an abundance of cap space to spend, you're going to give Robbie Anderson the money he wants because you're going to need that kind of a player. And then you can still draft the guy in the second or third round. And now suddenly you have Robbie Anderson and that guy paired together. So it makes it, it's it's still and, and I checked in after the combine with a couple of people that I know. And I checked in to say, like, look, is Robbie's like market coming down, yada, yada. And it was relayed to me that like the, the hope the Jets still hope they can get him back. They still want him back. They have never not wanted to retain Robbie Anderson because of what he means to Sam Darnold. But there is still the thought that on the free agent market, if Robbie Anderson gets there, a bidding war will commence with all of these teams that have salary cap space because take a look at it. There are a ton that have 50 and 40 million plus in salary cap space. And that's before the majority of these teams do their releases that a bidding war is going to commence on Robbie Anderson and he's just going to get priced out of the Jets range. That they're willing to go to a certain point, they're willing to pay 10, 11 million dollars a year, but if it gets to 13, 14 million, 15 million, they're just not going to go that high. Now, the one thing that I will say that could completely change all of this and have Anderson returning to the Jets and this is something that is starting to look like a possibility when it was not a possibility too long ago is this current collective bargaining agreement. If the NFL and the league cannot agree to a new CBA by the time the new league year begins, it officially starts. It, what it officially means is that we are headed for a lockout at the end of the 2020 season. The 2020 is the final year on this collective bargaining agreement, and then we go into an uncapped year or an uncapped year or a lockout year, all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. The top tier players that are on the free agent market, right? You're talking about uh, Clowney. You're talking about Tooney. You're talking about uh, Byron Jones. Those guys are not going to be impacted too, too much by a impending lockout last year. No new CBA for the, there's no CBA agreed to for 2021. So there's going to be a lockout. Those top, top, like upper echelon of free agents, they're not going to be impacted too much by that. Dante Fowler, you can throw in there. Shaq Barrett, you could throw in there too if he didn't get, if he didn't get his, uh, his, um, his franchise tag. Those are guys, they're going to get paid. Teams are going to get paid. The next tier of free agents, though, when you think about your Jalen Mills, who we were just talking about, your Robbie Anderson, teams are going to be hesitant to give those guys long-term contracts when there is the uncertainty of what is to come after this year because no new collective bargaining agreement has been agreed to, meaning that the collective bargaining agreement that everyone's been talking to the last couple of weeks, the last month or so, could be completely torn up and it could be something that looks entirely different. Suddenly, no, there's no more 17-18 games or there's no more 17-game season. There's no more extra playoff team. There's this now and there's this and there's that. And there's a there's 100 different things that weren't in there before and the money is different and the practices are different. And all There's all these things that could change. The cap could be different. You never, you never know when you have to go back to the drawing board, which... If this is not agreed to, you run the possibility of having to go back to the drawing board. If that were to happen, I don't see a lot of the second, third, fourth tier of free agents getting three, four, five-year contracts for a ton of money. Those are guys that suddenly, when they would be getting those big contracts because you now have a new collective bargaining agreement set in stone so you know what you're looking at for the next four, five, six years, those guys are suddenly not going to be looking at long-term contracts. They're going to be looking at one-year deals. There are going to be teams saying, I don't know if I necessarily want to give Robbie 
a three-year deal paying $15 million annually per year when I don't know what the hell is going to happen next year with the CBA and a potential lockout, but I'll go one year. If that were to happen, I think that completely flips this thing on its head where now you could be talking about Robbie returning to the Jets on a one-year deal to then cash in on free agency when the new collective – it's like all that stuff could change. So if, if the new CBA is agreed to – if we know what's going to be happening in 2021 and beyond, and Robbie Anderson hits free agency, I still ultimately believe the Jets are going to try to bring him back. They're going to make their best efforts. But when that bidding war commences to bring this to 13 to 15 manu- annually per year, I just don't think they're going to be able to go that high and Robbie Anderson will be playing elsewhere. If for some reason that market just does not materialize and Robbie Anderson's market is actually in the $10, $11 million per range, which... I've talked to one person who thought that was going to be the case, who thought it was asinine to believe that Robbie was going to get anything more than $9 million. I still don't think that's – I still think it's going to be 13 to 15 So many other people have told me that compared to the one person who said 9 to 10 But I think that ultimately what's going to happen is that if, if it gets to the 10 or 11 – what I'm trying to say is if it gets to 10 or $11 million per year, Robbie will be back with the Jets. If it's up to 13 to $15 million, he's not going to be back. He's going to be playing for somebody else. If it's an unca- if it's a, a lockout year coming in 2021, that's when you're potentially looking at just a one-year deal for Robbie Anderson, and that brings the Jets right back into the fold again. So many moving parts. You want to stay locked in on all of it throughout this week. The deadline, of course, coming up Saturday for players to vote on that and then into free agency next week. You can stay locked in on all of it by reading Connor's work, and you can go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast to save 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. So do that. So away from free agency, one more thing to touch on here on this podcast, Connor, is the Quinn and Williams situation which now, what, a week later um, seems a lot less noteworthy than it was in the moment, but but arrested at the airport trying to bring a gun that wasn't, and maybe you can fill in the, the facts that I'm screwing up with this, but, but he had a gun. It did not have ammo. It was licensed to him back down south, but not in New York. So it was a situation where he seemed to not understand the laws and it got him in a whole lot of trouble. But where does he go from here? How long before this is cleared up, I guess? Well, it's going to be a little bit before it's cleared up just because it's a, it's a, a pending legal matter and, and all that fun stuff. But um, no, I mean, I think that, that everything that's kind of out there right now is, is what it is, is that it, it was just a, it was a mistake from Quinn Williams. And, and Quinnen is, is many things. He's not a bad guy. You know, I think that that's if you, you spend five minutes with the guy talking to him and you realize he, this is not a bad person. This is a guy who legitimately made a mistake. And I know I was talking to one of the police officers at the Port Authority who was involved in the arrest and we were going back and forth. He said, look, this was just a guy who made a mistake. He did not realize, essentially, from the way that he kind of implied it was that Quinnen thought that because he had the gun licensed in Alabama – it was licensed everywhere and he was fine. And then he found out that, no, you have to have it licensed in every single place that you're going to be with that gun. So I, I think that that's kind of what this was. It's a similar situation. I mean, there was a, a guy who played for, I believe it was the Browns, uh, Daquan Bowers or something like that, who did something very similar also at LaGuardia. He ended up getting by with basically just a fine because he explained, like, it was not malicious. This wasn't like a Plaxico Burris situation where he had the gun strapped and loaded in his pants. It wasn't, it wasn't like that where the gun, you know, then went off. I think it ultimately, I, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be a situation where he serves uh, jail time. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. It'll, it'll be he'll have a good attorney who will talk him down and and he'll do a uh, a decent job of that. But but it was at one point it seemed it seemed a lot worse than what it uh, it ended <laughs> up being and and um and and now it's kind of it's kind of stuck through it's it's uh it's it's devolved to where it is now, which is you know more clarity on the situation and and I think that all all will be all will be fine. And, of course, the timing was perfect for those on the beat, right? Nothing like a, a late-night wake-up call to worry about Quinn oh, Williams you know, getting arrested at the thing, airport. Man. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the crazy thing. Is, you know, I actually, I just got back from a trip to uh, to Myrtle Beach. A buddy of mine, uh, two buddies of mine, I should say, took a, a trip down there to do, do some golf. You know, Basically, it was, the, it was the little gap we have after free agency and before this madness starts with, with – or before after the NFL Combine and before this madness starts with free agency. So – that was literally the night that I was packing. So I had an 8 a.m. flight to, to Myrtle Beach. And 11 o'clock, I'm putting, like, my final things in my bag. And, uh, you know, I'm putting my final my final things in my bag and, and getting everything situated. And, and I'm like, all right. So I just happened to look down at my phone, and I see, like, tweets from, from Jet fans all about, like, in, in uproar over Quinn and Williams in an arrest. 
I'm like, what the hell is this? So I like do a quick Twitter <laughs> search and I see what everyone's kind of, you know, it's Quinn and Williams, Gun Airport. I'm like, oh my God, this seems like it's total BS. So I pick up the phone and I call uh, the my source at the Jets who, you know, you regularly go to with things like that. And, and it's, he's usually, it's it's all on background, you know, when you talk to him, but he'll, he'll be good. Like, no, this is not, it's no, this isn't true. Off, you know, no, off the record, not true. You can leave it alone. It's like, okay, I, I know I, I can kind of ignore this one. So I pick it up and I call him and he, and he ignores my call. And I'm like, huh, that's not a great sign. <laughs> I was like, I've, I've, I've known this guy for several years. He's never bounced a call before. So I was like, oh, maybe I, I dialed the wrong number. Dialed the same number again. Boom, instant to voicemail. I'm like, well, shit, guess I'm not going to bed. So I went I went on and I, I found the uh, the Port Authority Police Department. I called uh, their media contact. Well, I, I actually met, messaged my editor first. And he was like, hey, here's the number for the Port Authority Police Department. Uh, gave him a call. Called the guy. I was like, "Hey, uh, hey, sir. My name's Connor Hughes. I'm with uh, I'm with the Athletic New York. I uh, was calling regarding Quinn. He goes, "Oh, Quinn and Williams." I was like, yeah, "I'm definitely not going to bed now." I was like, "Yep, Quinn and Williams." He goes, "Here's the number to call. They'll be able to fill you in." I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> so I uh, I uh, I hung up. I called that number. Uh, talked to their secretary. Filed my official request. About five minutes later, I had the email in my inbox of. Uh, you know, Quinn Williams was arrested today at 9.15 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. at blah, blah, blah with all the other information. But, yeah, it was – it went from packing to – huh, this is a weird Twitter rumor to, well, I'm up until 2 a.m. now searching down stories and all that stuff. But uh, good news was I was able to sleep on the plane. So that was that was a positive. And good golf rounds, right? I saw the pictures, oh, nice weather in Myrtle good, Beach. Good, good. Good courses, not good rounds. If that makes if that makes any yeah, sense, yeah, I that makes a whole lot. That's the story of my golfing life. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, that's going to do it. I think. I think we've pretty much covered it and gotten people ready for free agency. Of course, it's going to come uh, fast and furious coming up on Monday with the start of the uh, legal tampering, and then the official contracts can start to be signed on Wednesday. So we'll be all over that here at the Athletic, um, along with football. Baseball is getting going as well. Obviously, spring training already, opening day around the corner. The Athletic has you covered. 16 local MLB shows and some great new national shows as well. Uh, the Joe Posnanski, the podcast, which already existed, is is now part of our family here with Joe working here. That's a great one. The Keith Law Show we have unveiled as well. And Beyond the Scrum with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Some great national options for you on the baseball side as well. That's going to do it for us. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. Thanks to Marissa for producing as always. We'll talk to you again probably next week.